God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child. I'm excited to introduce my wife. I've been blessed to to watch what God is doing in and through her. It is absolutely remarkable. It's like God, as I look at Bishop Jakes and I look at Pastor Sarah, I, I, I marvel one day because Pastor Robinson and Bishop Jakes begin to hug each other and weep and cry. And as you know, they've walked together throughout this whole thing. And they begin to weep and cry and, and fall all over each other in joy because they, and they said this, God is doing it again. Another wave of grace and glory and life-changing ministry. And I'm just glad to be a part of it. Do me a favor, if you're not already standing, stand to your feet and help me celebrate Jesus Christ for the gift of Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts. Is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? That sounded good, but I want to know, is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? You could be anywhere else in the world, but for some reason, God did something in your life that made you crazy enough to say, he's been too good. I got to make sure that I'm logged in. I got to make sure that I'm in the building because I know that God is speaking to me. I am so, so grateful for the opportunity to serve you all tonight. I don't know about you, but um, I kind of feel like I'm giving special treatment tonight. Worship was extra oily. Can you help me thank God for our incredible worship team? Thank you so much for not just singing the songs and knowing the words and playing the notes, but staying before God so that you usher us into the presence of the Lord. What an atmosphere you've created here. I honor you and thank you so much for the way that you serve. Come on, y'all, let's give it up. If you know that worship sets the atmosphere, if you knew what I knew about worship, you would be playing it in your house all of the time because you recognize it sets an atmosphere. Doesn't matter what the bank says, doesn't matter what the teacher says, what matters is what my worship is saying. My worship is saying something different than my circumstance. I play worship in my house because I don't know what's happening in the world, but what I do know is what's gonna happen in this house. As for me and my house, forget a recession, what's gonna happen in this house is we're gonna serve the Lord. God's gonna bless us, he's gonna sustain us. The place is going to pass over us. That's what happens when we choose to make our homes, our houses, our bodies a place of worship. Family, I've been praying. You know, it's Wednesday night Bible study. You don't just come to Wednesday night Bible study without praying, child, because the word that goes forth from this place with our pastors and our team and our bishop is not to be trifled with. I've been thinking a lot about um, 
what I sense God is doing in this season of culture, in this season of our communities and our families. And I feel, based off of what I've been witnessing in prayer, is that God is getting ready to shift. He's getting ready to reveal himself in a fresh wind, a fresh wave of God's glory, a fresh movement of the Spirit of God. I sense it happening. I sense it happening for a generation where they said that they were leaving away from church. I don't believe they were leaving away from church. I believe that they were going to have genuine encounters with the Lord so that they could become disciples and witnesses. I see a generation passing on wisdom for the next generation. I see it coming together like never before. And I've been praying about how we partner with God when God is doing something new. And my studying took me to Judges. I'm going to be in Judges 7. This is not unfamiliar. It's the story of Gideon. But as I was praying, I believe that God showed me something worth sharing with you. My subject is becoming a partner, but we'll see what God does. I'm gonna be in Judges 7 verse 9. Of course, my notes disappeared because that's what the devil does when the devil does what the devil does. That ain't no problem. We came ready to fight. Judges 7 and 9, it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, this hymn is Gideon. Gideon's gone through a process in Judges 6, and now when we find him in the text in Judges 7 and 9, and as he's gone through this process, the moment we see him standing in is the moment when he is going to realize what God always knew about him from the very beginning. Gideon didn't know it about himself, but God knew it. And this is the moment where Gideon and God have finally gotten on the same page about who he is and what he's called to do in the earth. The partnership is realized, it's solidified. And it says, and it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him that him is Gideon, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. Mm. No victory dance. No, I told you so. He worshiped. And when he gets finished worshiping, 
he moves down back into the camp. He worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and he said, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise, watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Oh God, help me. Spirit of the living God, fall in this place as only you can do. Lord, you know exactly who is in this room. Small and insignificant as they sometimes feel, God, you call them holy. You call them worthy of partnership. God, you have a vision for their lives that only you know and only we are trying to seek out. So God, I pray that this would be a moment of intimate encounter. First, God, let us see you. Let us behold your presence. And as we behold you, God, help us to understand why you preserved us, why you kept us, why you protected us. And help us, God, to show up in this season of our lives, of our generation, of our ministry, of in our family, in our marriage, not as one who knows it all, not as one who has seen it all, but as one who partners with you. I thank you, God, that it's already done. May this be a partnership on display. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all turn to your neighbor and say something real churchy while I try and find my notes. Real churchy. Just God is good all the time. Just say something real. If you want to catch the Holy Ghost, now would be the time to go on and grab that Holy Ghost for me. If you want to, Terry. What happened to a testimony service? We used to have, maybe we, oh, I found my notes. Testimony over. We hear about it on Facebook. Look at your testimony. And gone down the road. Um, we had this moment at Woman Thou Art Loose where my dad, unbeknownst to me, um, planned this passing of the baton. Wasn't, thank you. I didn't really know what to do with that, to be honest. I felt dragged. I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was a lot happening in that moment. I want to stay on subject, but I just want y'all to know it was a lot happening in that moment because first of all, huh? And secondly, what? And I don't understand how we have a torch. The jacket is slung over my shoulders. Abra, he told me when I go watch this video. It was a lot of emotion. Then he walked off the stage. I ain't been able to talk to y'all about this. Did y'all see Bishop Jakes walk off the stage of Woman Thou Art Loose? Like drop, don't drop the mic and then walked off the stage. He grabbed my mother's hand and left me, abandoned me. Where is Dr. Natasha? I got abandoned at stage. I have abandonment issues right now because of what happened at Woman Thou Art Loose. Then after Woman Thou Art Loose, now y'all want to post y'all story telling me how proud you are. That's too much. It's too... Less of that. Less of that. No, don't do that. Don't do that because I'm trying to... Don't do that. Stop. Hey, girl. Stop. 
people kept asking me over and over again, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, child, I don't know. You know, I'm going to like not wash this wig. That's what I do know for sure because it's anointed. And um, I kept, all right, I kept praying you know, God, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this exposure? What am I supposed to do with this influence? What am I supposed to do? And I heard God say, you're asking the wrong question. God said, what you need to be asking is who do I need to become? We often experience change and transition in our lives. And if we're honest, our immediate response is, what am I supposed to do now? Not just the passing of the baton, I mean the passing of the job, you didn't get it. The passing of tragedy in our marriages and relationships. We move to a new city. We change our friendship circle. The ministry isn't doing what we thought the ministry is supposed to do. And we begin to ask ourselves, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I heard God say, if you're only focused on doing, you will not recognize what it means to be in relationship with me. Doing is the natural byproduct of becoming with God. You'll start doing things you never thought you could do not because you planned it but because you started becoming someone and as I became the natural organic byproduct of me becoming was I started producing if you align with who you are supposed to be in God then producing becomes automatic and so often we want to do before we become and that's why we are frustrated because you cannot hustle yourself into purpose you cannot do what you see someone else doing unless you become who that person became and if you're going to become who I became, you have to do the undoing that allowed me to become. You see, I didn't just become because it was easy. I had to do some undoing first. I had to shed some skin. I had to go through some heartbreaks. I had to lose some things along the way. Some people had to betray me before I could become. Some people had to walk away before I could become. The bank had to tell me no before I could become. You want to do what I do, but baby, do you want to become who I became? Do you want to go through what what I went through that told me we're not supposed to preach in here but if we could just take a minute at Wednesday night Bible study and thank God that he didn't just let me be a doer he let me be a becomer before I became a doer I know you want to do but if you're going to be sustained you're going to have to become first I hear God saying if you would become you won't have to worry about rumors if you would become you won't have to worry about who's going to tear you down if you would become you would see that who I am making you is unshakable who I am making you is unbreakable who I am making you is unswayable who I am making you who I am making you who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing who am I going to have to become to raise this child? Not what am I going to do with this child? God, if you gave me this child, if you anointed me to be this child's mother, then I am not lost. I don't know what I'm going to do. What I know is who I am going to become. God, I'm not going to lose them on my watch. God, if you put me in this position, I'm not going to try and do something different. I'm going to become something different. They'll wonder how I did it. They'll be focused on the results. They don't know the results happen in 
me before they came through me they won't understand that the work took place within I became that's how I got it I became that's how I saved it I became that's why God breathed on it I became what's going to blow the what's going to grow the ministry you're going to become and then the ministry is going to grow as you grow I don't know who's in this room but I feel like there is ministry in this room I feel like there's ministry in foreign places there's ministry in marketplace there's ministry in awkward places and it's going to happen not through the doing but through the becoming 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 that's what this season is this is a season of becoming I'm becoming someone who could stand in that position I'm becoming someone who could be someone's wife I'm becoming someone who could raise this child I thought I was going through hell I was in a womb I was becoming I thought the enemy was trying to take me out God was trying to show me how to walk through the fire and not get burned I was becoming that's how I got it done I'm in a city and I don't have friends but I'm becoming somebody in the process I don't know what I'm going to do on this new stage but I do know I'm going to become in the process I'm becoming I'm becoming I'm becoming I'm becoming and I got an audience. I'm becoming and I got some people connected to me. I'm becoming and I can't go back. I'm becoming and I'm too far out. I'm becoming and I can't go backwards. I'm becoming and I don't know what's ahead. I don't know who's in this room, but I hear God saying that you're gonna keep on becoming. You're gonna keep on evolving. And when you get finished evolving, they're gonna look at you and say, it was only the grace of God. There is no way that anybody with their background and their family Family and their connections could have ever became what they became and they're going to say oh but the grace of God made it possible the grace made it possible oh but for the grace of God there shall I go too but the grace made me become something different it's not that I did everything the right way but for some reason the gate said no you're gonna become something different I know you didn't see it in your family but you're gonna become something different I gave you vision so you could become I gave you prophecy so you could become I gave you that friend so you could become I gave you that aunt so you could become you're in that church to become you're not here to be a spectator you're not here to see what they got on you're here to become God who am I becoming in this season God what are you doing on the inside of me it's not what am I going to do it's who am I who am I going to become who am I going to become When I made the decision to stop labeling my food choices as good or bad, I knew Noom would help me break the cycle. My choice to create healthy eating habits was less about numbers on the scale and more about mindfulness eating. Since using Noom, I recognized that my relationship with food was rooted in fear. There was the fear of missing out and the fear of overindulgence. With Noom, I've learned the science of living a happier and healthier life. Plus, I can still enjoy my favorite foods. Sis, treat yourself. 
Don't Cheat Yourself, Noom's flexible program emphasizes progress over perfection, so no need to give up carbs. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com evolve. That's N-O-O-M dot evolve to sign up for your trial today. And check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. God gives vision for the becoming. The vision is to help you understand not what you can do, but who you can become. That's why I love being in this church. That's why I love seeing not just the bishop, but there are so many prolific people in this church. And every time I see someone prolific, I realize that God has highlighted them to me as prolific because God's trying to show me what I can become. And when we talk about partnering with God, especially at this time in our culture, at this time in our society, we are partnering with God because the more that we partner with God, the more that we become, the more that we are able to win over new souls. That's why we need a fresh win. That's why we need a fresh development of the spirit of God on the inside of us. We need a new demonstration to show up through us, in us, and then through us. Now, I was studying what happens in Judges with Israel, in chapter after chapter after chapter, we see just how, y'all know I only know how to be me, and as Wednesday Night Bible Study and JDS is here, and I wanna know big words, but I got what I got. Israel is just raggedy, chapter after chapter after chapter. He done parted the Red Sea, they done gone back to doing what they was doing before. Chapter after chapter, we see Israel raising up a judge, coming back to God, then falling away from God. Chapter after chapter, we see them with a fresh revelation of who God is, a fresh dedication to being set apart. And then later on in the chapter, we see that after that judge dies, they eventually go back to the way they used to be. So when we find them in Judges 6, and I'm studying Gideon for a better understanding of how God partners with his creation, Israel is in that same cycle. They have fallen away from God, and God has delivered them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. They're seven years into oppression. They're seven years into every harvest that they produce, the Midianites and all of their friends come and they trample that harvest, they take the harvest, not just what grows from the ground, but their sheep and their oxen over and over again. They can't keep anything, no matter how hard they work, it just slips through their hands. They are oppressed. The only problem with this oppression, though it has only lasted for seven years, is that that seven years of oppression feels like a lifetime for Israel. So much of a lifetime that they have forgotten the faithful God from the previous chapters. I studied over and over again because I wanted to understand, unless Gideon was seven years old, 
He was alive at some point when the faithfulness of God was being was close to the people of Israel. But when he first has an encounter with the angel of the Lord in Judges 6, the angel of the Lord comes to him. It's a Bible study, so let's go to it, right? In Judges 6, the angel of the Lord comes to him. And the angel of the Lord says to him in Judges 6, he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, how is the Lord with me and I am oppressed? How is the Lord with me and my people are suffering? How is the Lord with me and I cannot keep my own harvest? He doesn't understand how God can be with him and he be losing at the same time. Gideon doesn't realize that the fact that he has this appearance from God, this theophany, this moment in which God makes himself present and available to him is an indication that God is going to take those seven years of oppression and he's about to flip it. When God begins to call him a mighty man of valor, he's giving him a new vision. I know you once saw yourself as oppressed, but now I want to give you a new vision of who you are. I call you a mighty man of valor. How can I be a mighty man of valor when I'm hiding from the enemy when I'm hiding from my oppressor but God says you're still a mighty man of valor no matter who you are hiding from oh God I got to get this right because if I get this right we're going to set it off in here when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon he's threshing wheat in a wine press a wine press looks like, the only way I can explain is it looks like a giant well that a person can fit inside of. And the well is so large and so deep that Gideon could get in there with the wheat and he can begin to thresh the wheat without anyone seeing it. So when God calls him a mighty man of valor, even though he is going through an oppression, the reason he calls him a mighty man of valor is because he has not allowed the oppression to steal his harvest. Oh, gosh. When God finds this mighty man of valor, Gideon, he is engaged in an act of resistance against his oppression. If his oppressor says, whatever you grow, we're going to take, he says, you cannot have my harvest, so I'm going to find a way to make sure my harvest is protected. I'm still oppressed. Nothing has changed, but I still have faith that there is something about what God is producing through me that is worth protecting regardless of what's happening around me. I want to talk to some people in this room who have been engaged in an act of resistance. You have not gotten the breakthrough that you think you need to have yet. Yet. You don't have the freedom that you want to walk in yet, but the very fact that you are in this room on a Wednesday night is an act of resistance against your oppression. The reason why God chooses Gideon is because Gideon engages in an act of resistance against his oppression. I may not know God where God is in the midst of it all, but I feel like I got just a little bit of something worth protecting. I know they may have taken almost everything from me, but I still feel like I got a little something worth 
protection. I know they walked away from me and I don't have the resources, but I feel like I got a little something worth protecting. And because you are engaged in an act of resistance against your opposition, I hear God saying that we can partner together because we have the same enemy. We've got to see there's nothing like having the same enemy that God has. When you and God have the same enemy, I can take your resistance and we can work out the faith on the background, but we got the same target. We've got the same opponent. We've got the same devil we want to slay. You want to break that generational curse. Guess what? God wants to break it too. You don't know how you're going to do it and you don't know if God is with you, but you're acting like God is with you anyway. You're moving like you got harvest anyway. You're moving like you got something to work with in spite of the fact that you're not sure if it's enough to produce breakthrough. But I hear God saying, if you keep working like you're working, I'm going to take what you're working with and I'm going to add what I'm working with and I'm going to partner with you to take that opposition down. I wish I had some people in this room and I know we're not supposed to be having church. We're supposed to be having Bible study, but when you lift your hands in worship, it is an act of resistance against the enemy. When you lift your hands and declare that it is well in your soul, it's an act of resistance against the enemy. I will not let oppression have the final say. Matter of fact, depression can't have it either. Matter of fact, heartbreak can't have it either. You can't have the final say. My worship is an act of resistance. My writing is an act of resistance. My prayer is an act of resistance. It's not that it's working out, but I'm going to work like it's already working out. I'm going to work like I still got harvest. I'm going to work like the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm going to work even if I got to work at night, even if I got to work in hiding. Sometimes you can't let your enemy know what your God's got protected in your harvest. God says God says to Gideon you want to protect your harvest I want to protect my harvest too you are the harvest of God you're trying to protect your gift and your talent you're trying to protect your future God says you are my harvest you are the thing that I put in the earth to sustain what I want to do through the kingdom of heaven and while you're trying to protect it God's trying to protect you Gideon and God can get on the same page because they both got harvest to protect I wish I would have known that I still had harvest but maybe my life could be a reminder to somebody that you still got harvest I know you've been through hell I know they tried to take it from you but baby your faith is harvest baby your worship is still harvest still got it I still got it I dare you to nudge somebody and say you still got it I dare you to push somebody and let them know you still got it 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 you still anointed you're still talented you still gifted you still got power you still got anointing you still got strategy you still got creativity you still got innovation I don't know where you are Viper but your ministry has not seen its best days yet I hear God saying that it's gonna be a fresh wind that blows in your city. A fresh wind that blows in your house. You still got it, you still got it, you still got it, you still got it, you still got it. 
You still got it for this marriage. You still got it for this child. You still got it. Don't get tired. Don't quit. Don't give up. You may have to change the way you move, but don't stop moving. You may have to change the way you function, but don't stop functioning. You still got it. Still got it. Still got it. Still got it. Never left you. Still got it. Still got harvest. Still carry breakthrough. Still carry creativity. Still carry innovation. Still got wonder working power available to you. Still one touch away. You still one song away. You still one prayer away. You still got it. You still got it. You still got it. And you're going to partner with God you and God have to have the same enemy we got the same enemy God gives Gideon a vision of who he can become but they got to work out the fact that we got to get on the same page about who the enemy is Gideon is upset that God wasn't there for him. God says, I'm not your enemy. I'm not your enemy. I'm not your enemy. Oh, that's breakthrough for somebody. I don't know who you had to bury. I don't know what you needed God to do that you felt like he didn't do. But I hear God saying, we're still on the same team. I'm not your enemy. I'm not your enemy. I still got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I still got plans to give you a future and a hope. I still got plans to give you a future and a hope. I still got plans to give you a future and a hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not your enemy. You know what I found so interesting? When Israel cries out to the Lord in Judges 7, God answers them. But he doesn't say that I'm going to deliver you doesn't say that. Instead, he tells them how they got in this situation in the first place. He doesn't say, I'm gonna come get you. He doesn't say, I'm gonna deliver you. He doesn't even let them know what the plan is. It's a Bible study, so let's go. Judges 7 says that when Israel cries out, He sends a prophet to them, and this prophet tells them in Judges 6, rather, he says that the Lord of God says to them, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Period. (laughs) Period. He doesn't say I'm gonna deliver you. Instead, he gives them the coordinates of how they got lost in the first place. 
Sometimes we're praying that God would just deliver us. But what I wanted to know is God, how did I get in this mess in the first place? Because there are some moments where you can get so far off course that you need a prophet to tell you how you got off track in the first place. A prophet, we think is supposed to tell you your future, but sometimes you need a prophet to help you understand your present. I need a prophet to help me understand the coordinates for how I ended up in this place. Some people can ask for deliverance and need to be delivered again because they never got the coordinates. But God, if you deliver me out of this, don't just deliver me, give me the coordinates so I can make sure I never end up in this position again. Help me to understand where I lost my way. Help me to understand where I started doubting you. Help me to understand where the vision got blurry. Help me to understand where I stopped moving in faith. God, help me to understand so I can watch myself against myself. God gives... Israel the coordinates while he also works on the deliverance put a pin in that marinate on the fact that this is how you got off track we don't serve and I told you so God we serve a God who wants you to understand fully what's in you so that when I bring you out of it, you have no doubt that it was me and me alone. We serve a God who wants you to understand what your triggers are, what your weaknesses are, how when you get into certain communities, you lose the vision. The vision didn't lose you. The vision got diluted because of the community you were, you were in. And it's important for you to understand it because God's going to send you back into that community. He's going to send you back into that environment. And because God's going to send you back into the environment, God wants you equal with the knowledge of how you got off track in the first place so when you go into it as my husband said on Sunday you move differently I move differently now because I understand what happens last time I was here I lost my faith last time I was here I lost my power last time I was here I lost my vision you know a woman who moves differently because when she gets in a relationship she ain't got time she ain't got time she ain't got time I don't have time for the games I move differently now because I understand what I got off track when you see someone moving in business who has decided I'm not going to make the same mistakes that I made before it's not because they have so much wisdom that came innately but they have so many wounds that turn into wisdom that they make a decision that God if you send me back into that environment I may mess up but it won't be that thing again because you gave me the coordinates God help me to go back in time and understand where I got lost so I can understand how to move forward before you release me God help me to understand where I am before you position me again and establish me help me to understand where I lost myself help me to understand where the pursuit became more important than family help me to understand where the pursuit became more important than my faith God help me to understand where I lost myself God is going to use Gideon to help raise up a nation. I'm going to say this. Three points, we out of here. I promise you. When we find Gideon, he's threshing wheat. And between Judges 6 and Judges 7, 
I was praying and I was asking God, why was it that you were willing to engage with Gideon's doubt? I'm of the philosophy, I don't know if it's just because I've been raised in church, I've heard so many things that like God can use anybody. And I think that that is true, but it also makes me feel like if I don't get on board immediately, I may miss God. Sometimes I have questions. It's not that I'm not going, but I just, what time you think we gonna be home? <laughs> what do you think I should wear? You know what I mean? Like, should I have on boots or should I, like, is this gonna be a long journey or can I wear my sandals? Like, I have questions about the journey. We're going after this building and I'm gonna tell you, Woman Evolve is happening and I was fine to keep it at the Potter's house because baby, listen, if it's feel here a year in advance, that's fine. And my husband, he cold-blooded. He asked me, he said, um, if Jesus comes back the day after conference, would you have wanted to play it safe or make enough room for as many people as possible? Yeah. And I said, well, maybe we could have it at American Airlines then. American Airlines holds 18,000. We was like at 12,000 seven days in. And he was like, uh, I think that's too small. And I was like, well, look, now, I done moved it. <laughs> I, done, I done done what you told me to do. You know what I mean? Because everything from American Airlines is up is like, I had 3,000 people at this conference last year, which was huge for me. But God will accelerate the vision in one year's time. And what you thought was big will actually be a seed when God gets finished with it. And then you have to be willing to allow yourself to be stretched and allow yourself to be threshed until you can become the person who can say, well, I think we'll go after a stadium. I didn't know what God was doing with me this year, y'all, but I almost lost it. I had a season from about February to June where I started thinking to myself, I could never preach again and I would be just fine. I didn't realize that I wasn't being held back by the enemy, but that God was taking me through a threshing season. See, it's one thing to have harvest, but everything you gather in harvest isn't what's going to sustain you. I'm going to preach this point and then we going home. Sometimes we're praying that God would give us harvest, but we don't realize that gathering harvest is just half of the battle. Once you have the harvest, you got to separate the hole from the grain. You got to separate the covering from the grain. Somebody's been gathering thing after thing, memory after memory, idea after idea. Idea. and I hear God saying that you want to implement but first I got to get what you do need out of you so that you can get what you don't need away from you I got to make sure that this harvest is not just a bunch of hole put the picture on the screen so that they can see that when wheat is first formed and we pull it from the ground the grain is what's on the inside but what's on the outside has to be beaten so that what's on the inside can come forth when we find Gideon in the text he's threshing 
but he has no idea that God is getting ready to thresh him. I'm about to take your doubt. I'm about to take your fear. I'm about to take your disbelief until all I have left is grain, until all I have left is weight, until all I have left is glory, until all I have left is a warrior. This season of your life is the threshing season. You think you're being beat. God says, no, this is what it means to be harvest. This is what it means to be fruitful. This is what it means to be productive. It feels like you're getting beat up. It feels like some things are coming at you from every angle. But baby, when I get finished threshing you out, you're going to be a warrior. You won't need 20,000. You won't need 10,000. All you need is a few good men who don't mind riding dirty with you. All you need is a few good men who don't mind taking territory. The threshing, the threshing, the threshing is when your doubt is separated so that your faith can come up. The threshing is when you become somebody who God can put weight on. The threshing is when you become someone who God can build a marriage on. The threshing is when your childhood trauma says enough is enough. I'm gonna have to grow up. They couldn't give it to me, but I'm gonna move forward anyway. The threshing is when you decide that though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. The threshing is when you decide that God if you kept me alive in this season if you kept this ministry on my heart then God I'm going to release it by any means necessary how did it happen it happened in the threshing it happened in the breakthrough it happened the threshing made the difference just because you gathered it doesn't mean you're supposed to keep it. Just because you collected it along the way. Oh, there's gonna be breakthrough in this room. I hear God saying it could be the potter's house or it could be the threshing floor. I hear God saying that if you start worshiping right now, that we could begin breaking some of that hole off of you. We could begin breaking some of that seed out of you. We could begin breaking that shell. I hear God saying somebody needs to come out of their shell. I hear God saying we got the same enemy. We got the same victory, but we don't have the same energy but if we ever got the same energy that hell would be put on nervous you gotta be careful when we get together in a room like this because the Holy Spirit is contagious you'll walk out of this place and suicidal thoughts can't find you you'll be watching this video and depression will have to let you go because you messed around and hit the threshing floor the threshing floor the threshing floor God get it out of me God break it off of me God I'm I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being ashamed. I'm tired of wondering who you are and where you are and if it could ever be me. I'm tired of feeling like I'm down to my last. I'm tired of feeling like I lost it all. Take me to the threshing floor. Take me to the place where your glory is evident. Take me to the place where breakthrough is the only option. Beat it out of me, God. Get the pain off of me. Get the trauma
You know how I know that God was about to do with Gideon. The very thing that Gideon was doing in the wine press. Because in Judges 7, when his enemy has a dream, he says, I see a loaf of bread. He says, I see a loaf of bread coming for the tent. Come on, JDS. I see a loaf of bread. In Judges 7, he says that he has this vision. I had a dream. And to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp. A loaf of barley bread. The barley bread is what's left after the threshing. It looks like one small, insignificant piece of bread. But this man has a vision that this one piece of bread, when it got finished with the threshing, was going to be enough to destroy every tent that the Midianites had. It was going to be enough to destroy every piece of utility and armory that they had. This one piece of bread, this one man named Gideon. God gets finished with this process we see in Judges 6, where he says, if you're really God, then set this altar on fire. If you're really God, then dry this out. He wasn't questioning God. He was going through the threshing process so that God could show him who he really is. So that when he hears that this man sees a piece of bread, he recognizes the power of being a piece of bread in God's strategic plan. If we had time, we could go on over into the New Testament and we could talk about being the bread of life and how the bread of life would ultimately be what redeems us all. But we don't have time to talk about it. So what I will say instead is that yes, Gideon and God have the same enemy and yes they have the same victory in mind but their weapons were not able to be fully manifested until Gideon and God had the same sword and I want somebody in this room to understand that the last piece that you have been waiting for is the sword of the spirit to go up against your enemy I love this text so much because when we start with Gideon he doesn't even believe that God could really be talking to him but when it's time for him to overtake the camp, he says to tell your enemies that the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, the sword of the Lord, that means I have become a full partner with God. That means that I have come into alignment with what God wants to do in my life. And now I'm ready to use the sword that God gave me. You think your sword is a metal piece. No, no, no. The sword that God gave Gideon was not the kind of sword that we have in mind. <laughs> Jesus tells Peter when he cuts the ear off of the Roman soldier, he says, put your sword away. <laughs> because if you use your sword, then I won't be able to get my sword into the picture. 
until you and God have the same sword, you may mess up the very strategy that God has in mind for your life. You have the same enemy. You want the same victory. But have you been using the same sword? I hear God saying that it's not going to be by might. And it's not going to be by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. My spirit is going to get it done. The sword of the spirit is going to make the difference. God, how are we going to take a conference from 3,000 women to 50,000 women? God says you're worried about the wrong things. Just worry about becoming and let your sword do the rest. The sword of the spirit says there's a generation of women who are going to fill up that stadium and they will wonder, is it Beyonce? And they will wonder, is it the Super Bowl? And they will wonder, is it the World Series? No, baby, it is the Glory Series. It is women coming together to declare war on hell. They will wonder, how did it happen in your business? How did it happen in your family? And it will be the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. We done, we're finished. Gideon tells them, get the trumpet, an empty pitcher, and a torch. He tells them, when you get there, tell them the sword of the Lord of God and of Gideon. But he never gives them instructions to get an actual sword. He says, get a trumpet, an empty pitcher, and a torch. If you read all of Judges 7, you'll see that they never even go for a sword. As a matter of fact, the Midianites start turning their swords on one another. All they do is release a sound from the trumpet. Uh-oh, be careful who you sit next to. Somebody just blew a trumpet. Uh-oh, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, somebody just released a sound over their enemy. Somebody just released a sign over their oppressor. Somebody just released a sound over their oppression. The sword of the Lord and of Sarah Jakes Roberts. The sword of the Lord and of David. The sword of the Lord and of Marcus. The sword of the Lord and of Tanya. The sword of the Lord and of Jessica has come about your camp. The enemy tried to take everything I ever had, but the sword of the Lord is upon me and it has declared victory over everything the enemy tried to take from my camp not another harvest not another season of loss not another season of grief I wage war on every spirit of depression in this room I wage war on every spirit of inadequacy in this room is this Bible study or is it war time is it Bible study or is it time for us to raise up a sword and say I come into agreement with God I've come into partnership with God I've got the same enemy I've got the same vision I got the same victory and I messed around and got the same spirit the spirit that says my God shall supply all of my needs my God shall supply everything that I need for this moment in my life it may not look like enough but when the trumpet when the trumpet sounds
I don't know who this is for, but stay off Beyonce's internet self-diagnosing your symptoms and sis, stop hitting up your friends for medical opinions. They don't know. You won't find quality medical advice in your group chat, but you can on ZocDoc. With thousands of medical professionals to choose from, I bet you receive the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. When I'm on the road and in need of a healthcare provider, I rely on ZocDoc as a trusted guide to connect me to the highest quality of care. And sis, they can be right every time. Millions of people use the ZocDoc app as a quick and easy way to book and keep track of their appointments. So go and check them out. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Woman Evolve and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Woman Evolve. ZocDoc.com slash Woman Evolve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the threshing floor. Thank you, Jesus, for the breaking apart. Thank you, Jesus, that you're getting me down the grain. I got so many, so many thoughts, so many revelations about this text. We know. You can stand, I'm finished. We know, I'm sure, we know. We know that Gideon has come to a stage where the threshing is over because God is ready to present him to his enemies. There's this process in getting to the grain and which it goes through a threshing process. That's when you beat it with a stick. That's what they did then. You'd beat it with a stick until the hole separated from the grain. And then they would pick up the hole in the grain and put it in front of the fan. They put it in front of the fan because the hole doesn't have any weight. That's why it's got to go. But if I put it into a fan, the hole will blow away and the grain will hit the ground. It's the winnowing fan. It's the space where you throw it into the air and only what has weight can hit the ground. This moment in the text is when God has threshed Gideon to such a point that now he can throw him at something because only his weight will shake up the camp. Family, I got one thing to say to you. The whole point of this message is that God wants to throw you at something. Your life is not random. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are not crazy. That vision that God gave you, it's real. That vision that God gave you, it is anointed 
to shake the earth. That vision that God gave you, maybe you're over here, that vision that God gave you, it's got weight on it. That vision that God gave you, God wants to throw it at something. Because when God throws it at something, the weight of what it is will hit the ground and shake the earth. And I hear God saying that the earth is in need of a shaking. And God just needs a few partners who are willing to say, God, I'll get in the threshing floor if I have to. You can break that mentality off of me. You can change my old way of being and my old way of thinking until I've got nothing but grain left. So I have the weight necessary for the journey. Viper, JDS, online, Wednesday night Bible study, delegation. We need you. We don't need you to just play church. We don't need you to just quote the scriptures. We need you to throw yourself at something that will reclaim territory for the kingdom of heaven. Mm. I want to pray for somebody in this room and it's going to require some transparency and some vulnerability. It's going to require you to throw yourself into it and hit the threshing floor. I want to pray for somebody in this room. I don't know who you are. But you don't think you have any weight left. You feel like you've just been blowing in the wind. You've lost vision. You've lost power. You've lost the momentum necessary to be who God needs you to be in this season. But I want you to understand that you still got harvest. There's some separating that needs to take place. There's some hole that needs to be, some, to be removed and there's some grain that needs to be separated but you don't think you have any weight in you, that you can't change it, you can't shake it, you can't break it. And if you're honest, you're thinking about giving up, I want you to meet me at the altar. And giving up doesn't necessarily mean that you quit doing what you're doing. Giving up can simply mean, I just don't do it with passion. I just don't do it and believe that it is, can be effective. You lost the ability to think that you can be effective. You're still doing it, but you're not doing it with faith. You're still showing up, but you're not doing it with hunger. You're not doing it with creativity. You're not doing it with strategy. You're no longer partnering with God. You're just on autopilot. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Israel doesn't just forget about God. Israel gets in community with other people and when Israel's in community with other people, they just start dabbling with other people's gods and dabbling with other people's religions and dabbling in other people's faith. The only problem with dabbling is that you dabble and look up one day and you're drowning and you don't know who you are and you don't know what the vision is and you don't know what's gonna make you effective anymore.
And so God has to show them this is where things shifted. This is where things changed. This is where the vision began to lose its strength and its potency. You're in this room. And maybe you weren't dabbling with other gods. Maybe you were. But you dabbled with doubt. Somebody dabbled with an affair. Dabbled with unbelief. Lust. Alcohol, now I got a problem. That dabbling turned into drowning and now I don't even know. I can't even see anymore. That's okay. Because time after time after time and judges, we see God still responding when his people cry out. We see God still responding when they cry out for him. God, I was just crying out because I wanted to be delivered. I was just crying out because I wanted the bill paid. I was just crying out because I wanted this thing to go away. But there comes a point where you just cry out for the presence of the Lord, where you're like, God, if you would just get in it with me, God, if you would just allow your presence to permeate this atmosphere, God, I need your presence more than I need your presence, God. I need your presence more than I need another thing, God. I need your presence because I'm drowning and if I have your presence maybe I'll have light again if I have your presence maybe I'll have power again if I have your presence maybe I'll feel loved again if I have your presence maybe I won't feel so broken if I have your presence maybe I'll feel that innovation if I have your presence maybe I'll be on fire again we didn't know it but what Israel needed was to be on fire again and I am telling you if we're going to shake up anything in this earth if we're going to shake up anything in this culture we are going to need the fire of the Holy Ghost we're going to need it to be shut up in our bones like Jeremiah they say they're giving up on God they say they're turning their back on our miracle working our way making God but we serve as evidence that God is still working miracles we serve as evidence that God is still using broken people we serve as evidence that families are still coming together we serve as evidence that you can still have worth and you can still have value you are the evidence of God. You are the evidence that God can use anybody. I don't know who you are, but I hear God saying, if I could just take you back to the time when you had fire, that it might just spark something in you that would make you explode again. It might just spark something in you that would make you dynamite again. You're afraid of hell, but baby, hell is afraid of you catching on fire. Because if you catch on fire, you might just bring a nation out of oppression. If you catch on fire you may just bring a nation into a new way of thinking a nation into a new way of being a ministry into a fresh outpour a marriage into a space that's never been in before a child into a place of glory they never thought they could experience you better watch out when you catch on fire because when you catch on fire everything connected to you will catch on fire too so I prophesy fire at this altar I prophesy wind at this fire when fire and wind come together, there is an explosion like never before. And I hear God saying, before the year is up, I'm going to explode on the inside of somebody. Before the year is up, there's going to be smoke out of your house. There's going to be smoke coming from your business. 
Where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's smoke, there's fire. You at the altar, baby. I hope you have a sacrifice. Because if you lay a sacrifice at the altar, there will be smoke. And where there is smoke, there will be breakthrough. And where there is breakthrough, there will be deliverance. And where there is deliverance, generational freedom will be connected to everything. Connected to you. Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. God, for every soul at this altar, there's a people laying down their sword for yours, laying down their ways for yours. Holy Spirit, they're weary, tired, in silent competition with people who aren't even worried about them, but they keep comparing their outcome to somebody else's results. Constantly comparing what you did in somebody else's life with what you haven't done in theirs yet, God, and it's wearing them down. It's making them weary, God. They're not just here because they just wanted to have a good time. They're here because they're running on fumes, God. They're here because they don't believe like they once believed. They still got a little bit of faith. They're oppressed, but just a little bit of harvest left, God. And they're doing the best they can to protect the harvest. But God, I thank you that they won't have to protect the harvest on their own. I thank you, God, that as they came to this altar, that they begin partnering with you in a fresh way God and wherever they still have a little bit of harvest that I hear God saying that if because they have been faithful over a few things that you can trust them with many things God I speak multiplication in this room the same acceleration that exists on woman evolve may it show up in their lives God may it show up in their passion may it show up in their creativity God until they throw themselves at something again God I speak to their legs that they would stand again I speak to their mind that it would open up again. I speak to their heart that it would come back together. And when it's all said and done, God, I pray that they would release a sound. God, if the sound comes out as a whisper, it'll still be a yell in your ear. God, if the sound comes out as a voice of thunder, God, we recognize that it will put hell on nervous. God, somebody's whispering right now and it's serving notice on the enemy that they got their sound back, that they got their voice back, that they're ready to go into battle again. So God, I thank you that just as you met Gideon, that you will meet with them. That even now you're meeting with them. God, let your glory fall. May it settle them. When doubt arises, may they label it and then toss it because they recognize that their doubt is in contradiction with their grain. And thank you that the process isn't over. 
May they survive the threshing. Stay in faith in the threshing, God. Give them strength in the threshing. And then, God, when it's time for them to be thrown in the direction and purpose, may they never doubt that they will not be on their own. Not only will you be with them, but that you have people assigned to go on this journey with them. But first, they got to survive this season and be by themselves before they can see the army that you assigned to their names. God, seal this word as only you can do. Allow it to take root, deep root, God. Let it change something in them. Let it break something off of them. Let it break something off of them. Spirit of the living God, may this word become a sword. May this word become a sword until they become the word made flesh and then they will be a sword. I prophesy that this is not an altar full of people, but this is an altar full of swords, God. And I thank you as your word becomes manifested in their mouth, as your word begins to pour out of their mouth, that it will be a sword and they will prophesy to every demon and they will prophesy to every threat. And when they open their mouth, and decree a thing it will be established in the earth because it was not just a word it was a sword God and I thank you that they're going to begin prophesying over their ministry they're going to prophesy over their degree they're going to prophesy over their business I am blessed everywhere I go I am anointed no matter who comes or who doesn't come I am appointed for this season of my life there is no one else who can do it but me and I hear God saying it had to be Gideon because Gideon was willing to do the work and maybe just maybe for this generation it had to be you who went through everything you went through it had to be you who didn't mind rolling up your sleeves and going to work it had to be you who survived the oppression it had to be you who survived the restrictions and because it had to be you God's going to release you so God I thank you that they stand under stand under an open heaven they will never lose connection with you what a privilege it is to partner with you in the earth. May all that we do be a reflection of who you are until it is undeniable that being in partnership with you is the only way to do life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you help me celebrate in this place? Not just for the harvest but for the winnowing and the grain hitting the fan. Can you help me celebrate the weight in this room? Can you help me thank God that the earth is going to shake as a result of who's in this room? Wait a minute before you go, before you go, give me five seconds, please. I promise you, just five seconds. I know you want to go. I know you want to beat the crowd. If you can, give me five seconds. I have to give you an opportunity to sow into this word. Hear me very clearly. That when I talked about the winnowing fan and having harvest... And when you throw the harvest in the air, only the grain hits the ground, only what has weight hits the ground. That was an important word. And I want you to understand that it was seven years that Israel was oppressed. In seven years, God raised up Gideon and put Gideon in a position where he could be thrown in the direction of what God wanted to do in the earth. I need someone to sow a seed, a seven increment seed. It's 7,000 for somebody, 700 for someone else, $7.70. You gotta get in on this seven word because I believe that when we put this seed, when we put this grain in the ground, this spiritual atmosphere, 
that God's going to shake the earth first in the heavens and then into the earth. When we sow into a word, it is a sign that God met me in a way that only God could have met me. I hit the threshing floor and I discovered I still have grain left. When we sow into a word, it is our opportunity to say, God, this is the threshing floor where I discovered that I still have grain left, where I discovered I still have weight left. And if you want to continue to receive a harvest connected to this word, it's not just replaying it over and over again, though you should absolutely do that. But there is something powerful, family, I promise you, of saying this is the direction. This is the vision. This is where I'm headed. This is how I want to partner with God. And so there are instructions on the screen. I'm asking everyone in this room to give something that identifies seven, $77, whatever that seven is, as a sign that this oppressing season, this season of just a little bit of harvest, but no breakthrough, that it's going to be over for you. If you're going to give, I want you to just lift your hand in the air because I want to pray over it. I'm not going to be here all night. We're not going to have an auction. We're not going to have a tearing service. Either the word was for you or it wasn't. But I want to let you know from the point of me losing my nose to having a headache all day, thinking to myself, I'm not going to be able to, look, to deliver. I know that whoever this word was for, that there was war over it. And if you don't sow into this word, you're going to miss out. I did my job. I was obedient. You do your part. God, I thank you that you are the God of harvest. You are the God of harvest. God, you only speak in fruit and seed. That's what you do. And God, because you are the God of harvest, we are giving this seed as an acknowledgement that first we are your harvest. And you came after us. And you saw us. And you saw that we were down to nothing and you sent a word in God. We're sowing this seed because we come into agreement with who you are. If you're giving online, make sure you're in on this. We're coming into agreement with who you are. We're coming into agreement with who our enemy is. God, we're taking our sword. Oh man, this seed is your sword and my sword coming together. And we're taking this sword, God, as a sign that everywhere where we experienced oppression, everywhere where we experienced restriction, God, that we are sowing into breakthrough in that area. I hear God saying the ground is breaking even now. I hear God saying the ground is shaking even now. I hear God saying that the enemy knows you're on the way that the enemy is afraid I hear God saying you haven't stepped into the office yet you haven't stepped into the room yet but they're having meetings about you before you even get there you haven't met them yet but they know you're on the way this seed is a sign that I acknowledge that my steps are ordered this seed is a sign that I acknowledge that my best days are ahead of me this seed is a sign that creativity and innovation is still assigned to my name this seed is a sign that you're just getting started. So God, take this seed. Break this seed. Put weight on this seed, God. Until my children eat off of this seed. Until my community is changed from this seed. Until my great-grandmother is blessed from this seed. Reach back in time, reach ahead of time, and may this seed be a sign, God, that I chose to listen, respond, and grab my sword 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Family, we love you so much. Can you make sure that we have a moment and continue to thank God for what took place in this room? I want you to leave this place praising God. I want you to leave this place thanking God for what took place and to make sure you have seed in the ground. We'll see you on Sunday, family. We love you.